listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rexel, what a pass to Anders. A king follows. Branch fires, he converts. Rhymes again. Pull up three in transition for Angela Harris. Jerome says not tonight, not in Houston. What's up and welcome to another episode of Pod Slammer Jammer presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I am one of your hosts, Dayan Dunlap, color commentator for UH Women's Basketball, one of their home games. And also going to be doing some play-by-play with some soccer and volleyball this upcoming season. Been covering UA sports since about 2016. Also do some play-by-play for Vipe and Texan Life throughout high school sports. And you can find me on Twitter at Dayon Dunlap. That's at D-A-Y-O-N-D-U-N-L-A-P. And I'm also joined today by my second host who will introduce himself. My name is Andy Yanez. What is up? I hope you guys are all doing good on another August week. We're, man, Dayon, this year has flown by. We're already approaching the mid-August point, which is exciting for us because not only are we getting close to the football season, but we're getting close to my favorite time of the year. I don't know. I just like the fall weather, the the kind of chilly weather. I'm not too much of a fan of this heat. But be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account at Apollo HOU, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. I spent the past two years covering the University of Houston Athletics Beat for the Daily Cougar. Done a little bit of freelance for the Houston Chronicle, now currently working with the Community Impact newspaper and also still covering UH Athletics for Apollo Media. Dayon, we have another filled show, not only with football, but we'll also talk a little bit about basketball at the end. Dayon, take it away. What do we have in store for this episode? Yeah, our listeners know we started out primarily talking about Houston Cougars basketball, like we just mentioned. With it being football season and fall coming around, we want to expand and talk more and more football like we did last week. And to jump off the show, like Andy said, we have a, a packed show, but we're going to stop on the offensive side. The players had media availability. We were able to catch up with Clayton Toon, and he talked about some of the improvements he wanted to make coming into this season. Your last year, as you reflect on your previous seasons, what's something you look to take your game to the next level and just kind of pile up some wins? Um, just to be consistent. Um, you know, there's times where we're really up and then we're really down. Um, and so, you know, we want to be up as long as possible and try to get a win streak going um, and win as many games as possible. But for me personally, I think just staying consistent, um, you know, not getting too high or too low and, and just making routine plays, not trying to make the home run play every, you know, every play. That's just not realistic. And so, you know, I kind of have to stay grounded and just stay focused on making routine plays and, and being consistent. That was University of Houston quarterback Clayton Toon. And Dayon, off that clip, one thing that stood out to me was something, a a point we both brought up during last week's episode that you guys can check out in the archives, but kind of something we've been saying all along to Clayton Toon is that's basically the thing that he has to work on in his game because like we mentioned last in last week's episode, he's shown flashes of brilliance, like I mentioned, against BYU. He put up a good performance in that first half. He's just... It kind of to to his, not the term, but just in general, he's been able to put together strong performances, just has not been able to keep it through, whether it's an entire game or an entire season. Dayon, you were at this availability. What stood out to you? Yeah, I think he just really developed and known himself well with the experience that he has. I feel like he's really coming to, coming to his own and really just – Taking ownership as a leader, he knows that he's shown flashes, but yeah, you heard him say it's about consistency, putting together consistent, good performances back-to-back to rack up those wins. And, and sometimes it's the little thing. It's not making – trying to go for the big play like he mentioned, maybe just doing a check down, maybe throwing the ball away and not taking a sack. So the little things that don't kill the momentum because football is a game of momentum. So 
I think he's holding himself accountable, similar to like we heard Coach Dana Hogerson. I like what I'm hearing from Clay. I think um, he, like you said, we know the potential is there. What's about putting it all together and being consistent and leading the football team with traction? Right. And, you know, another thing that stood out to me was just when you speak of playing tune and, and obviously the turnovers, that uh, that's something that he needs to limit. But also awareness at times, sometimes there would be times when he would scramble and he would not, he would necessarily, he would have to take a hit that he shouldn't have taken or didn't need to take. I know earlier in this past season, actually, well, it's not even this past season, last season in 2020, when U of H played Navy, there was a point in the game where he scrambled. I believe it was on a down where he he kept going to try to pick up the first down, got hit by a Navy defender, and actually ended up coming out of the game for a couple of series. Those hits right there, I think that also has to do with consistency, uh, really all around in terms of awareness of the game, when to go for it, when to try to pick up that extra yard, and when to either slide, which is something that the team looked at. We're trying to get him to improve with his sliding technique yeah. last season or just get out of bounds. He doesn't need to take that extra hit. Right. And that comes down to decision-making. Like, having experience that he has, he talked about uh, going back and watching film and being in sync with the coaches to know what throws they want him to make, what plays they want him to make in those certain times. And it really boils down to decision-making. He has the ability. We've seen the ability. We know he, he has the talent to make all those throws, make those highlight run plays, and really just be the dual-threat quarterback that he can be. But it's about making consistent, good decisions and just playing well. And I think he's bowled well to that. He also – during that availability, talk about a sense of urgency, not only with himself, but throughout the team as well. Let's get into the clip. See this year, and he talked about how he's embracing it. What about you as a quarterback? Do you feel a sense of urgency throughout the team? And does it bring up any pressure just to really do what you worked on and really just put together a good year? Yeah, there's definitely a higher sense of urgency. Um, this camp, everyone's getting to where they're supposed to be and, and being on time and doing the little things right. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just, I feel like every time we're out of practice, there's just a heightened sense of urgency. There's no, you know, we've had five practices and normally around practice four and five is when everyone kind of hits the wall and they kind of hit a lull a little bit. And I, I don't think we've had that. Um, I think everyone's kept that same energy and, and that same uh, sense of urgency, which is good. And yeah, I think that's going to help carry us throughout the season. So we just have to remain that way and remain consistent. Hearing that, Andy, he talked about sustaining that high energy throughout the entire team and that leading to wins. What do you think about some of the things he said? Yeah, I think the thing that stands out the most is right that point where he said, you know, after a few days into the practices, the training camp, you know, usually the team's going to end up hitting a wall. But something that that Dana Hogerson last said last Friday during his availability was this team just looks different to Dana Hogerson. He called it a much more mature team, which, you know, from the players that spoke today, Clayton Toon is entering his third year under Dana Hogerson's system. And, you know, even some of the other pieces, look at Mobile Car, will be entering as a six-year player. Obviously, the team is a lot more littered with yeah. veteran-filled players and yep. I mean that's just the thing like you said what I we've kind of talked about it off air they're kind of mirroring or repeating it, it, those might not be the right words but they're kind of mirroring the same message with Dana Holgerson which is they, they kind of they're, they're very well aware of the expectations that they've had especially the past two years that Dana Holgerson has been here the team hasn't been able to rack up wins and that's something that they've focused on and emphasized really that this this year they're they're trying to get as many wins as possible and they they know that it's urgent not only for the team to do it but I mean honestly it might be for Dana Hogerson's head coaching position for his job security yeah his job security and I think the players are like you said they're echoing some of the same sentiments that they we're hearing from the coaching staff and what that tells me they're in sync. They're buying in. They And Coach Hogerson talked about this being one of the oldest teams that he had. And by that, he mean for the most experience. You look at some of the names on the defensive side that you have coming back, like Deontay um, Anderson is moving into that linebacker role, Donovan Mutant, both cornerbacks, Marcus Jones. 
and Demarion Williams, um, Logan Hall up front. So it's a lot of familiar faces on the defensive side. And you got Tank Dell coming back for his second year, Mobile Car, who you mentioned. So it's a lot of familiar faces. I think it's just about buying into putting it all together. Got a favorable schedule, too, like we mentioned um, on our last episode. For sure. And another thing that, that goes in favor with this U of H team is a lot of the transfers that they've been able to get. Uh, you know, coming into the season, they're not necessarily littered with a lot of high recruits coming out of high school, but they are littered with a lot of transfers that have played, that have started at other places. That's something that Dana Holgerson mentioned during his Friday availability. The team, they have 18 guys that have started in an NCAA game before, whether it's with a different school or even at U of H. That experience, that counts, especially in college ball. Um, not to digress a little bit, but it's kind of similar where you see in men's basketball or in women's basketball in the NCAA tournament, the teams that advance more are those veteran field teams that have been there before, they have experience. You don't usually see teams littered with one of them guys, teams filled with freshmen like you saw this past season with Kentucky and Duke struggle in the NCAA tournament. It's a similar thing here in college football where, you know, unless if you're the Alabamas of the world, the Clemsons of the world, the Ohio States of the world that are just filled with five-star recruits all over the place, if you don't have that type of talent, then experience is going to matter. And especially in the American Athletic Conference, when Houston is looking up at Cincinnati and trying to catch them up, that's something that's going to help them during not only during this season, but if they do which um, reach the aspirations that they're aiming for, which is, like you mentioned, Mobile Car wants to win a ring uh, for at the University of Houston. This is going to be the final season here. He's trying to get that American Athletic Conference championship. And as we look at the, the schedule, they don't have – um, Cincinnati on their regular season schedule. So with a team who was probably favored, who was favored in the preseason poll, actually had a really good year last year. If they're able to meet them in potentially in a conference championship game, and Cincinnati has a tough schedule. They play UCLA this year. I believe they played Notre Dame as well. So if they were able to get that, Houston go through the um, their schedule and meet in a potentially both teams undefeated in an AAC conference game, I think I, I like that for both schools and especially for Houston in that position. But it also is going to start from them buying in. I know they're focused on a week one match over Texas Tech, but I like what I'm hearing coming from Houston. For sure. And one of those other targets, one of the big targets that Clayton Toon is going to be throwing to all season, uh, barring any health um, injuries, will be Nathaniel Tank Dell, who obviously U of H is going to lose Marcus Stevenson after he was drafted last season. Nathaniel Dell is going to have to fill in and kind of step up into that role as the number one option. He, he got a lot of skills. He was a good target in his freshman year. Didn't see too much due to injury, but in the limited time that he was there, he showed that his speed can get him open and like, not necessarily compare to Marquez Stevenson, but kind of be that speedster that can get down the field when needed to. And Dayon, I'm going to play a quick clip of Dell and what he talked about earlier today. Just technique-wise, from a wide receiver perspective, reflecting on your um, season last year, what's some, some things that you want to become better at as a wide receiver? Um, so getting off the line, like, cleanly. I've I, um, been working on hand fighting, getting ready to um, hand fight with the DBs, pressing the DBs, using my, more of my own technique, like speed, using like putting more of my speed on tape. Cause I um I ain't have a, like a lot of plays where I can show what I can really do with the ball last year because everyone know like who we had last year and stuff like that and how that went. But this year I'm getting a chance to show my speed, show my athleticism, get the ball in the open field and stuff like that. Um, technique, just like running routes, getting my route depth, getting per like getting better with my route depth. Um, everything else like that, you know, hand fight route depth. Um, using my hands, stuff like that, just the normal stuff. How's the battle been with you? And you got two good corners on the defensive side. How's those battles been throughout the summer and now into fall? Um, in the spring, so I go against like Marcus Jones. Me and Marcus going against each other every day. That's the one I want to go against. I'm the one he want to go against. That's what everyone want to see. So since the spring, me and Marcus been going with each other. We've been getting each other better. I win a rep. He won a rep. You know how that goes. Both dogs fighting with each other. Even um. Pepe, Demarion Williams, me and him, we go against each other. We don't go against each other a lot because it's always be me and Marcus. But when we do go against each other, we battle it out too. So they both like come with different games. Like Marcus, like a he's a patient, 
a patient DB and me going against him a lot. He knows some of the stuff I'm gonna do. I know some of the stuff he's he gonna do. So it helped both of us get prepared for like prepare for the um the season and stuff like that. And Pepe, he's like a hands-on, he liked to touch. So that helped me with like my hand fight and you know, keeping my distance from a um defensive back and stuff like that. So a couple of things that stood out to me from that clip, Dayon, you were there and you asked the question. When it comes to what he said about his goal coming into the season, I think he mentioned he he sets his expectations high because he likes to challenge himself. And just from right there, what what he said in his confidence in terms of kind of stepping up to be that number one receiver option. Dayon, what did you get off the sense of his answer? Just from this answer, you know, we hear a lot of cliche, that dog mentality. From what I heard in that small clip right there, it sounded like he has that dog mentality. You know the, um, who he's kind of replacing, who was the number one receiver last year, Marquette Stevenson, although in limited time last year, he didn't have the numbers that were used to him seeing in the previous two years. But just looking at like Daniel numbers, he led his team in receiving yards last year with 428. He led them in catches as well. And also he had the longest receiving play last year. So it sounds like he's very confident in his ability as far as his guy give a talent to make big plays. What I heard there is now he's looking to become a technician as far as receiver. You hear him talking about route, route dip, getting in and out of his breaks, hand fighting, getting off the line, because he's a smaller receiver. So a lot of times bigger corners are going to want to be a little bit more physical in person. So he got two good corners for Houston defense, Demarion Williams and Marcus Jones. So I'm glad they take it on that challenge between um, all three of them. And like they say, Iron shop is iron. I'm expecting a big year from Tank. Yeah, I mentioned those lofty goals. He said he wants to get 10 or more touchdowns this season, at least 50 receptions, 1,200 yards. Deion, what do you think about those expectations that he set for himself? I think it's highly possible. We know that Donna Hangleton pretty much runs an air raid offense, and you look at some of the receivers like he's had in the past, like a Tavon Austin, a Stedman Bailey, a Kevin White of West Virginia. Then you look at Marquez Stevenson. He's going to put you in position to make big-time plays. It's just about executing and taking advantage when you get those times. And when I'm hearing Tank Bell, he definitely has that confidence, and I think he has that ability for sure. I can't wait to see him. And like you mentioned, Diana, one of the things that – Nathaniel Dell mentioned was just the, the competition that he gets to see every day in practice with the outstanding quarters that UH has, has in Pepe and Marcus Jones. But Dayon, just that competition is something that Dana Hogerson, something that we'll get into later with, with the defensive coordinator, Doug Belk. But that's something that, again, it's been a message that's been emanating from this program since they started their training camp, and that's competition, competition, competition. They want to foster that. They feel like that's going to help them once the season starts, based off what you heard from Clayton Toon, Daniel Dell, Mobile Carr, and what you heard from Dana Horson. What do you feel like has been the, the biggest point that's come out of this program? I think it's focus. I think it's focus on a task at hand. I think with other sports within the program is having big years like the basketball, the women's program having their resurgence, the track program being routinely good like they are. Even though volleyball team had a resurgence, had a really good year. And I, it's just different when the football team is good at the University of Houston. So I think that I'm not only feeling the pressure from the coaching staff, but only to the players just to, to use their pride and just want to put out a really good season. So what's sticking out to me, is their hunger and their attention to the detail. I mean, I think they're going to have a really good year. Uh, are there any surprises for you as far as some of the things that you hear? To say surprise, I wouldn't say anything um, has surprised me per se. What I've been impressed with has been just like I said, and I've kind of repeated is that message, that unified message that's been coming out of that program consistently. Not only are they aware, but they, I don't even say the expectations, they're kind of, they kind of sense that urgency that the program needs to put up and gets a lot of wins this season, especially coming into the third year for Dana Holgerson, but also just kind of they've been hitting the points that we talked about. Like we mentioned with Clayton too, and he talked about the biggest thing that he wants to focus on is consistency. 
And just the program overall, when it comes to competition, they're kind of fostering that they feel like that's going to help them in the long run. Just there's no position to guarantee this. I think that's something that Dana Hogerson said just last week. I'm a quarterback, it's a different situation, but Dana Hogerson said, Dana Hogerson said outside of that position, honestly, everything's up in the air and everything's tossed. They're trying to foster that competition in terms of that's how the team will get better. I think that's really what's stood out to me so far in these two weeks of training camp that they've had availability. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. Yeah, for sure. And like you you heard Tank say, they're embracing competition. They have coaches and people want to see two of the best players on the team compete with each other and they're taking on that challenge at practice. So like I said, I think that goes back into them buying in and in the third year, you kind of, you have your guys, quote unquote. I know you hear sometimes a player sitting down, they have their guys after a lot of players come and leave from when they first get to a program. So I don't want to say this is a make or break year, but I think it really is a very important year to judge the trajectory of the football program under the head coach to Dana Hogerson, but and on that note, Dan, coming right up on Pod Sama Jamo, we'll have clips from UH defensive coordinator and associate head coach for the University of Houston football team, Doug Belk, as he talked about the defensive goals for the upcoming season, as well as he talked a little bit about Donovan Mutant coming right up on Pod Sama Jamo, your home for UH Athletics. Continuing our talk with football here on Pod Slamma Jam. And now we're going to go to the other side of the boat. We're going to talk defense. We know they say defense wins championship. Now they have a new defensive coordinator, Doug Velko, has been with the program for a number of years. He was coaching safety. Now he's coaching the entire defense. He talked to us about what he wanted to see from the defense, well, how they wanted to play this upcoming year on the defensive side. Yeah, definitely. We want to play uh, more aggressive, uh, whether we're pressuring or we're playing base defense. We want to dominate the line of scrimmage. And the one thing that we uh, continue to talk about, the messaging hasn't changed very much. We want to be um, play with more toughness than our opponent, opponent, and we want to play with more energy. You know, the way that we run to the ball, the way that we play at the line of scrimmage, and the way that we attack in the back end. And the messaging has been very consistent. And, you know, throughout how we prepare, how we have meetings, um, everything from coach's message to what we're saying is very consistent. Uh, so they've been hearing the same thing for a long time, and I think it's, it shows when we turn on the tape. Man, they are, Doug Belk brought out all the cliches right now. I know I'm about to deliver more, but from what, what I got from that clip, you, the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, when it comes to football, what do you hear? It's always a battle in the trenches. That's what controls the entire game. What part of the ball can win up front is it the defensive line that sets the tempo or is it the offensive line that establishes the game for the offense they on right there what i got and what i mentioned is the goal for this team is going to be to be a lot more physical when it comes to playing up front and that was something they struggled with last year was getting any pressure now the biggest player for u of h was able to create pressure oftentimes peyton turner for uh but outside of that when he got injured they struggled to create any sort of real pressure for opposing quarterbacks, and that's something that got them in trouble whenever they played the Cincinnati's and Desmond Ritter kind of picked them apart because UH was just not able to get into the backfield often. And that's something that under Doug Belk is going to have to change if UH wants to stack up those wins. What say you, Dale? Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I think we've been hearing a lot about Logan Hall, but He's got to, and I think he's in the middle, and it's been hard to replace Ed Oliver since. But when you look at some of the players coming off that edge, they have a lot of familiar faces on that defensive line, like Derek Parrish, like Amini coming in, who's gotten a number staff, David Anini. Then you look at Chidozi coming in on his sophomore year. You got players like Alexander Duke. Then we got a, another few players who transferred in. So I think it is starts up front, like you said. I think that defensive line must be able to cause pressure and so they don't have to blitz as much. And that way they can just rely on their play coverage and get pressure without having to blitz. 
right? You mentioned some of those names. Uh, Chidofi, obviously, um, he returned back to practice on Monday, but is still uh, not entirely sure on his status um, on when he will be able to play with the team, just in terms of the legal aspects of what happened to him in the offseason. But you mentioned Derek Parrish. That's someone that Doug Bell was asked about during Monday's availability, too, and something that he, someone that he was very high on, <laughs> not in terms of not just what he was able to accomplish on the field, but the way he eats. I think that's something they mentioned during the availability. I think there was this one video that, that came out where it showed Eric Parrish just stacking up stakes, and Doug Buck was kind of joking about it during Monday's availability, but he what he connected it to with what he sees on the field is that everything that Derek Parrish does, he does it in an aggressive way. Whenever he works out, whenever he's in the weight room, he's all in, he's lasered in, he's focused, he attacks. That's the word that Belk used when describing Doug, Derek Parrish is he attacks everything he does, whether it's in practice or workout. And that will translate in the games. Real quickly, I have another clip from Coach Belk on the defense. Just physically how some of the guys came in? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing is that we have, uh, you know, a lot of guys who play a lot of snaps. Um, on top of that, we've added some new additions, um, some transfers and some some high school freshmen that we're very excited about. But outside of that, I just think we're bigger, stronger, and faster. But depth, um, you know, anytime that you see great teams, they always have great depth. Uh, so I think we built the roster the right way. I think we have competition at every position. And I think that that's ultimately going to breed success for us. Um, so we're pushing the guys hard every day, but we always talk a lot about compete, um, whether that's on offense, defense, or special teams. And I think the guys are buying into Coach Holgerson's message that he's been sending to the guys every day about competing in practice and taking ownership and earning a spot. Um, and I think that, you know, you see that in practice and um, our guys are repeating the message. So, you know, as coaches, when guys are re re uh, repeating our head coach's message or whatever message we may be sending defensively, I think that's a step in the right direction. Right there, two things right off the bat stood out. He said that they are buying into Dana Hogerson's message. That's huge, right, Dan? That that's got to be that's huge. huge. Obviously, you that's hear huge. about it with every team. That's the the main thing. Obviously, you're gonna listen to the coach, but it's one thing to hear it, and it's one thing to have it. Not only the coaches say it, but you also hear what what players are saying. And Doug Bell kind of said it himself. They're repeating the same message. That's big, and we we've said it. What are you? What are your right. thoughts on that? You're right. That's exactly what we've been talking about. You've been hearing a consistent message to, from the coach down to the players, and like we said, with that on the outside looking in, it means that they're bought into the message. It's routine. You look at the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Clemsons. All those players echo the same message that their respective coaches echo, and so it seems like they have that now in Houston. Year three, we, it's consistency, not only from throughout the message, but you're going to have to build consistently on the football field. Defensively, though, that's where they struggle. Like, they've been able to put points from the time with De'Ara King and then Clayton Toon. What do you think is the turning point from the defense? What do they need to see? Because they're going to face Texas Tech week one, so they're going to get their tests early. But what changes do you, you feel like they need to make on the defensive side to where they can just have a little bit more success? Right, and I think the first thing that, that stood out, like I mentioned last year, especially, I mean, in the first three games of the season, they were really good at stopping, making teams one-dimensional, shutting off the run against Tulane. It was, came into that season as one of the best teams. I mean, that's something they're known for in terms of their rushing attack. They were able to hold them under 100 yards. The same thing with BYU. Even though they lost that game, they forced Zach Wilson to have to throw the ball. He ended up having monster numbers through the air, but they were that's a lot of big part of that was just because they were not able to get anything going in the ground game. And that's why BYU fell into that big hole. And then against Navy, same thing, their triple read option offense, they couldn't get anything on the ground running, I believe, for the entirety of the game until the final snap. They held Navy to less than 100 yards rushing, which against Navy, that's a big accomplishment because, you know, that's going to be the one consistent thing that Navy's always going to be doing, and that's attacking and attacking on the ground, and they were able to do well in that aspect. But then after that Navy game, once they started playing UCF, Cincinnati, and those teams, they really struggled. A lot of it had to do with injuries, too. Peyton Turner got injured. 
in October and really across the board, whether it was COVID or serious injuries, the defense was ravaged a little bit, and that's when they started to give up those big points. But outside of the run that they really excelled in, especially at the beginning of the season, I think what they need to focus on is just getting into the backfield and getting opposing quarterbacks to feel the pressure because that's only going to help the secondary. You mentioned they have two good corners, especially in Marcus Jones. If they can create pressure, it forces quarterbacks to have to get rid of the ball quicker and make mistakes. Yeah, and mistakes equivalent to turnovers. And yeah, that's another way that they can have our clay tune. Create turnovers to give him short field advantages where he doesn't have to worry about driving the lift of the field. He'll get offense out some. And so they have a lot of experience, a lot of players who've taken a lot of snaps, not only at the Houston, like on the Division One level. And so it's going to be big for them. I, if they can get some fast starts, help their offense out, I think it's only going to bow well for them. Players like Parrish or which year Coach Sampson talk about culture setters. He's a culture setter. I don't think it's a coincidence that he's wearing that number zero that, that which Grant Stewart wore last year, who was a, another culture setter player is going to always give 110%. So I think the defense is going to have to come around if they want to reach their potential goals as far as winning the conference and then potentially trying to get that playoff spot. No day on that. It's not a coincidence. You hit it right on the mark. That was another thing that Doug Bell touched on on Monday. Derek Parrish was actually voted into that number. It's an interesting thing that the University of Houston football team does. All these single digits, every player that's wearing single digits, they actually voted into those numbers. They're not just given to them. So like you mentioned, it's not a coincidence that he's taking over that number off of Grant Stewart. That's because the team around him, they see him as a leader and they kind of see him as a player they can rally around. Now, another player that's going to be big for the defense is going to be Donovan Mutant, who we mentioned prior to the break. Here's going to be uh, here's another clip of defensive coordinator Doug Belt speaking on Donovan Mutant. Oh yeah, Donnie's very unique. Um, Donnie's been a unanimous unanimous captain on this team. Um, this is his second year doing that, so obviously he has a respect to the locker room, and you know. We, we play really good defense. And when we lost him last year, it did affect us a little bit um, because he's very vocal um, as a communicator, as a leader, uh, but he's also very intelligent. Uh, so, so he sees things in a different way. Um, he asks good questions and ultimately he holds his teammates accountable. So he has respect to the locker room, respect to the coaches. And, um, you know, he's got a bright future. So we're excited to have him back. I think he brings a different element for us. Um, obviously with leadership, but he's a good football player too. And so, uh, you know, he, he, he diagnoses things and he studies hard and um, he's a deep thinker. So, you know, when, when Donnie comes in the room, you got to make sure that you, that you locked in because he's going to ask you some tough questions, but we love that as a coach because, um, you know, he wants the best for all of his teammates, whether you play on offense, defense, you see him at practice, he's energy. I mean, if Clayton Toon makes a good play, he's going to let him know, you know, when he, when, when he's in a combative situations, or he makes a big hit. I mean, he's helping the guy up beside of him. Like that's just just the kind of guy he is. And you know, um, him and Grant were pretty dynamic duo um, before before his injury. But I think um, him and Deontay kind of have that same type of relationship, maybe even closer. Um, you know, and from a chemistry standpoint, just having a spring, a summer, and now going into fall because Grant was there for a short time as well, and now Deontay's kind of moved down and and kind of accepted some of that some of that role. And he's embraced his role very well. We're very excited about him too. But, you know, just as far as Donnie, he, he wants the best for everybody. And it's pretty special and pretty awesome to be around him every day. That's high praise from the defensive coordinator on Donovan Newton. Dayon, your thoughts on just hearing him speak, what stood out to you? Sounds like he really loves what he's seeing from his captain linebacker, linebacker Donovan Newton. Ever since he stepped on the field since his freshman year, he's made a made an impact. He's really been a tackling machine. He led the lead, I mean, led the team last year in total tackles. Um, in twenty nineteen with sixty one, I should say, he led the team. He had um, a game high ten tackles last year against BYU, if I'm not mistaken. He's one of those athletes that can go sideline to sideline. He's a quick, fast, side to sideline linebacker. But what you hear 
coach rave about was his leadership. And I'm anxious to see Deontay Anderson moving down from the safety spot where he started his last two years. He was one of the most highly talented safeties coming out of Houston. And he went to Ole Miss, transferred back home to Houston a number of years ago. And now to see him play his senior year at that linebacker position, I want to see how he feels in. He talked about how Grant and Donovan Mutant were a good tandem, and he expects no drop-off from Deontay Anderson. And they call him D-Train. I think he's going to really have a good transition from safety to linebacker. He's going to have the speed. He has the physicality. So they're going to need good linebacker play, but all starts up front. So the defensive line, linebacker tandem, front seven, it's going to be a huge day to keep an eye on Houston. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned Deontay Anderson making that transition from safety down to linebacker. That's a similar transition that Grant Stewart made a season ago where he he played linebacker really for the first time in his career and ended up getting drafted in the NFL. So he was able to see a lot of success with that transition. Anderson's going to be looking to do more of the same. But when you look at that linebacker core, obviously we've mentioned Mutant, we've mentioned Anderson. Giovanni Stewart's going to be another big name. He had a good season in spurts. In 2020, I mean, when you look across the board, especially the leaders that are expected to to be the starters going into the season, the one thing that stands out to me, upperclassmen everywhere. You know, Mutant's going to be a junior. Anderson's a senior. Stewart's another upperclassman. Dayon, how big is that? And we kind of mentioned it throughout the show, but it's just another thing that they have under their belt. UH has veterans everywhere. And that's that's key, especially when you're not – you know, like I mentioned, you don't you're, you don't have a team littered with five star recruits. That that's going to make a difference, especially in crunch time whenever the games are close and the defense needs to stop. Sure, to have a lot of depth, a lot of experience, and so like they've been talking about with competing, competing, competing. A lot of these guys have chips on their shoulder to want to prove why they are good, how they compete, not only for a starting spot, but with the, some of the upper echelons of programs and talents that some of these schools have. And so that experience, I don't think, is only going to bode well. You also got Gleason Sprewell, who the junior safety, who showed that he can be a ball hawk on the back end as well. So it's a lot of t- talent. I think they're buying in. It's just all about putting it all together, playing in one unit. And I think they can, they can make some noise. Yeah, for sure. That opening kickoff, getting closer and closer, September 4th will be when they kick off against Texas Tech at NRG Stadium. But coming right up on Pod Slam and Jamma, we go back to our roots, men's basketball. And, of course, we're talking about Dejan Jerome, Quentin Grimes, making their summer league debuts. And also, Alan Bishop posted a, a picture last week in which Tremont Mark kind of made some noise online Coming right up on Pod Slam Jamma, your home for UH Athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. Three, two, one, continuing on. And like you just mentioned, Trayvon Mark almost went viral but not really him, a picture of him to which Alan Bishop was um, ahead of the strip, the conditioning program for the University of Houston Men's. He showed how much Tremont Mark, his body has changed from his freshman year and then how much look he's putting him in over the summer. What was your thoughts when you very first saw that picture of Tremont Mark? Well, let me tell you, when I first saw the picture, because at first, uh, for those of you that don't follow Alan Bishop on Twitter, it's at Coach Alan Bishop. When he first posted the, the picture, it was a, a group photo of the men's basketball team. Um, I believe they had a, a fighting, a boxing day. It might have been a cardio day or maybe just a fun activity as a team. But in that group photo, it was a lot of team. The one that instantly stood out to me was Tremont Mark. And then a couple of hours later, Alan Bishop posted a side-by-side of Tremont Mark during one of the early practices last season. And him this year, I mean, Tremont Mark was listed at 185 pounds a season ago. That, that was his weight. That's what he played in. I mean, he looks like he's probably at least 205. What, what do you think they are? 
Whew, I don't know about the 205. I think he's definitely toned up a bit, definitely a little bit more chiseled. Maybe he is about 205. I think that'd be a good weight on him if he could get to that 205, maybe 210, because he's naturally a slender young man. But definitely you can tell he's been putting in that work. He hasn't been slacking. He's hungry. And if he's studying, which I'm sure he has, he knows that Coach Sampson allows his guards to get busy. And we talked about over the years, who guards who stepped into basically that key role, and it's really his prime time, his time to shine. And I think he's been preparing for that challenge. So definitely was a huge difference. You couldn't notice it. I wonder whether he's actually going to weigh in. And I'm just very excited about the basketball program as well. They're continuing to put in that work, and just look, just looking really good as far as from a physical aspect. Because we know that Coach Kellen Sampson always so says that toughest team well he you know he says road games are always street fights and we see mm-hmm. them tweeting about how the toughest team wins and so just in seeing that mentality and Tremont Marcus already proved that he bought into the coach he's doing those little things like offensive rebounds and what we saw him do against Rutgers he's playing tough nose defense and now it's about just letting his game really just put it on display as far as his offensive prowess with how he can score the basketball and continue doing all the things that the basketball team does. Yeah, and Dan, going back to the original question you asked in terms of, you know, what I thought. And the first thing I, I remembered back to last season and one of the early after one of the first games of the season, Tremont Mark was asked what players he gains inspiration from. And the two that he listed were James Harden and Paul George. And when you think about those two players, one of the key things that's a part of their basketball game it's their ability to drive, get into the lane, draw contact, and finish at the rim. If Tremont Mark, with the weight that he's put it on, with the weight he's added on in terms of muscle, that's going to help him whenever he attacks. That's something that he kind of struggled with this past season. And kind of adding diversity to the game, maybe stronger, he can finish. Just kind of like the change that we saw this past season with Quentin Grimes. Yeah, for sure. And if I'm not mistaken, his very first game, I know he had over 20 points. I don't remember the number of free throw attempts that he made. I believe it was like 10 free throw attempts or over 10. And he made um, at least 10 and he's able to have that strong game. And so I think it's only going to bode well for his game. He showed his ability to get to the free throw line and the both of the players he said he watched, I can see similarities within his game from those both of those players has a slender tall frame like a Paul George and can score effortlessly like a James Harden. And he's also left-handed like James Harden too as well. So just to see him put it in that work, I think he's really, really focused on really anxious to have a big year improve. Wow, yeah, a sure. lot of people's talking. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, you mentioned that first game of the season last year against Lamar. He had 13 free throws. He made 10 of them. And, and we've mentioned it throughout how really he was one of the players that was really affected by that COVID pause that the team had in December. He really struggled coming out of the gates in January, really the entire month of January. But now distancing from that, kind of putting that behind him and looking at the style, the more muscle he has, the much better it is for him in the long run if he is playing a lot more attacking the basket and gaining contact, because like you mentioned, he has that ability to draw fouls, but over the course of a season, it, it adds a lot of wear and tear to your body. So being able to equip to handle that's only going to help him in the long run. Yep. And we know Coach Simpson likes to play in transition. He likes his teams to play in transition. So he had plenty of opportunities to not only drive to the hole, but break down the defense and the isolation that have course there as well. So I'm excited what I'm seeing from Tremont Mark. For sure. And as we transition a little bit more, um, the, the Wednesday that we are recording this on August 11th, Dejan Giroux kind of just kind of ended up flirting a little bit with a triple-double in, during the Miami Heat's summer league game in Las Vegas against the Memphis Grizzlies. He ended up with a double-double. He had 14 points, 10 rebounds, or 10 assists, I might say, seven rebounds, two steals. I mean, he did a little bit of everything in that win for the Heat, and he had a key steal late, ended up throwing an alley-oop to one of the Miami Heat players. Dayon, what are your thoughts on what you've seen from Dejan DeRoe 
not just in this game, but his first game in Las Vegas. What have you seen from him during his time in Las Vegas in general? Well, I feel like this game was just coming out for the previous game. He only played maybe like 11 or 10 minutes, somewhere around that part because it was a blowout and they got the win. And so in his small sample size, he showed good as well. He showed the ability to create offense off the dribble and to get into the lane. I feel like today in the game that I watched the game in its full, he really, they were down by 20. And it was at one point he inserted into the game and you could tell just the flow of the game changed. He really did exactly what he did for Houston. He controlled the tempo for the Miami he offensively what they paid in did a good job playing in transition off also in the half court setting that pick and roll action whether it's getting all the way inside finishing or getting fouled going to the lane or creating space for his teammates and so I really wasn't surprised at what I seen because it's what I've seen him routinely do for the Houston Cougars and he did in the inner summer league today so I feel like he's getting more and more comfortable I think the game is really slowing down for him in a summer league wide as far as what he's seeing. And he had a really good game today. I think Quinn Grimes also played as well. But would you would you see him from Deja Draw here in this early? He's got a couple more games left. Yeah, certainly. The thing that stands out to you is just a little bit of everything that he's been able to do when you look at the stat, stat sheet, especially this past game. But it's something we saw in Houston. And if he's able to transition that, like you mentioned, the game slowed down a lot, especially considering the first game where he, he had a jump. He only had six points, four assists, and three rebounds. Still doing a little bit of everything in limited minutes, but then expanding on that, that's really – that's there's not much you can do. That's what the summer league you're supposed to do in a summer league for top prospects are supposed to improve from game one to game two. And as the summer league progresses, he's doing that as an undrafted player that can only bode well for him to secure a contract. I saw a tweet actually before we – started recording from Kellen Sampson kind of lobbying for the Miami Heat to sign him to a contract. But you mentioned Quinn Grimes. He's actually set to play in a few minutes uh, that we're recording this um, for the Knicks. But so he had his first summer league game and he had nine points, kind of a, uh, not, not a great shooting night, but not terrible. 311 shooting, had two assists, four rebounds and a block. The key thing for Quinn Grimes, no turnovers. And, you know, when you look at Quentin Grimes, when it comes to his shooting, that's something that will come and go every now and then. But you don't really worry about being able – for him to being able to score. But it kind of similar thing that what Kelvin Sampson said when he spoke to reporters two weeks ago regarding Quentin Grimes. I mean, he's a lot more than just a, a scorer, a shooter. He can impact the game in much more variety of ways. Dayon, what are your thoughts on Quentin Grimes? I mean, I, I agree with Coach Sampson. It's like – um. I said before he got drafted, I feel like he's going to be able to bring those things to the right situation. And he fell right into the right situation, in my opinion. A tough, hard-nosed franchise led by Pat Riley. And you look at the players that they have, like a Jimmy Butler, who's going to play tough, hard-nosed. They just picked up Kyle Lowry, who's going to do the same thing. P.J. Tucker, who they just added. And they also added um, one of the Morris twins. I think it was Marquise Morris. So you just look at some of the players that they have and you know how Pat Riley likes the type of players that he likes. Dejan just fits right into that mode. And so I'm, I agree with um, Kellen Stampson, man. Sign him to a contract. He's one of those players who will compete defensively. He can't impact the game. And he's always going to get a maximum effort on the floor. So I'm not really surprised at all from Quinn Grimes. I think he's more like easing his way. He's went playing with some really good guards with Emmanuel Quickly and Deuce McBride, who was also drafted by the Knicks and Obi Toppin in the forward. So he's getting good looks. I, I, I'm, I'm really expecting him to have a breakout game before they leave Las Vegas as well. What are you most surprised on as far as what you've seen thus far from Quinn Grimes? His ability when it, when it comes to impacting the game in more ways than scoring, I think that's something that – I'm going to be looking forward to this upcoming game that's about to tip off at 9 o'clock. So we're recording this right before, a few minutes before he tips off. But what I'll be looking at for Quentin Grimes, kind of similar to Dejan, if he can improve from game one to game two, really that's all you can ask for any young player in the summer league. I mean, obviously the shooting percentage, that's something that you hope gets better. But in more ways, how can he can he continue? Because if he can keep having zero turnovers, that's great. But can he get those rebounds up? Kind of can he can he follow up Dejan Jarrell's performance? Can he have a double double of his own? Or can he at least 
flirt with something like that. I think that's something that I would look forward in terms of Quentin Grimes' second game. Yeah, for sure. And most importantly, really just knocking down open looks. I think he missed some looks that he knows he can make and we expect for him to make. And if he can get those shots to fall, make shots early, then we know his confidence only grows and he can shoot with the best of them. So I, I expect, I know he probably seen what Dejan Giroud did today. And I expect that he'll be looking forward to having a big game as well. So it's good to see the Cougars showing really well so far here in the summer. Right, and, and you mentioned Quentin. I think, you know, he's it's a little bit of a uh, learning process for him too, just the different role that he has to coming from Houston where he was the go-to scorer in the clutch. And even in the next summer league team, I mean, he has to be on the floor with Obi Toppin and a lot of other veterans that have played in the Knicks system before. So it's a little bit of a transition for him as well. You mentioned another player that's playing in the summer league, Nate Hinton. He's also about to play in his second game. He, he had a, a real rough first game in the summer league for Dallas, too. But same thing with him. He kind of filled up the stat sheet in different ways. He didn't really score, uh, but he tallied eight rebounds, did a little bit of everything. What do you think about Nate? What can he do to improve from one year that he already has under his belt in the G League and in the two-way with the NBA? Yeah, and their game is actually on now. And like you said, he didn't have as strong of a game as he's like, and neither did the entire Dallas Mavericks team, which is they got blew out. But from Nate, you can really expect someone who's going to give their all. He's another one of those players that we talk about as a culture setter. He's going to give maximum effort. He's going to – I think he has the potential to be a lockdown defender with the way he can defend the basketball. And so, just like Quinn, always competing on the defensive end knock down open shots. And I think the rest of the game will just open up for not only Quinn, but Nate as well. Because one thing that stood out to, uh, with Nate is his size. He actually looks really big as far as the guards and the other guards that he's playing against here in the summer league. So I'm looking forward to both of them really just do what they did while at Houston, compete really hard on defensive end and really just start to make open shots. But that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And be sure to follow at Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, video podcast, and more original, original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. And as always, we want to thank you for listening. We look forward to having you back on our next episode of Pod Slamma Jamma. I'm Dayan Dunlap and Andy Yanez. Signing off tonight. Good night, folks.